0: Hi, this is Dr. Mike Chupp, the CEO of CMDA, and I just got back from a wondrous three weeks in East Africa, where I got to serve and lead a Medical Education International team to Timmerich Hospital, and then represented all of you at the annual board meeting of the International CMDA Organization. I'm coming to you, jumping right into the studio because of the events that have taken place in the last week or so. You know, Solomon told us in Proverbs 14, 12, that there's a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but its end is the way of death. In 1973, seven men out of nine in the highest court of our nation, the US Supreme Court, handed down the decision on Roe v. Wade that seemed right to them at the time, maybe even just, but it has resulted in death for over 60 million fearfully and wonderfully made pre-born human beings. Last Friday, June 24th, 2022, that supremely wrong decision, as my former guest, author and pro-life obstetrician Dr. Brent Bowles puts it in his book, was undone by that same Supreme Court in the Mississippi Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health case. From the CMDA National Ministry, we have joyously welcomed and we have celebrated this decision by our highest court. I want to thank each and every one of you who prayed that God's purposes would be accomplished and that justice for the most vulnerable of all humankind, as well as their mothers, would win out this month. And it has won the day, praise God. We released a press statement last Friday. You can find it featured on our main CMDA webpage. Just go to cmda.org and you won't miss it, as it is the image and story we are highlighting right now. The Dobbs case and its ramifications are being talked about around the globe. I can tell you that firsthand. The day after the decision was handed down, I was in a small airport near Mount Kilimanjaro in rural Northern Tanzania, and I heard three separate groups of people talking about the decision at my gate, just as we were preparing to board a plane for Nairobi, Kenya. You know, nearly every major U.S. medical association has come out strongly against the court's decision to overturn the Roe and Planned Parenthood v. Casey precedents. More than ever, friends, these secular associations of which Many of us, including myself, are members professionally. They do not represent those of us who ardently believe that life begins at conception and must be respected and protected. At CMDA, our advocacy team led by Dr. Jeff Barrows has been working hard to prepare for this very moment, recruiting and raising up state-by-state representatives among our members who will courageously take this battle to the next level in their respective states. I want to ask you, dear friend of CMDA, will you join us in this critical moment by becoming part of these advocacy efforts? I'm praying that Jehovah Mifalti, the Lord who rescues, will move you, dear listener, to take a step to be counted as an ambassador for the sanctity and wonder of every human life that God has created. If you'd like to learn more, just write to us at communications at cmda.org and one of our advocacy team members will be happy to help you take the next step in your very own state. I want you to know that Dr. Barrows and I will be interviewing a long-serving constitutional law attorney from the Alliance Defending Freedom, Mrs. Erin Morrow Hawley. Jeff and I heard Aaron analyzing the Dobbs arguments at a banquet in Washington, D.C. with such clarity immediately after that case was presented by the Mississippi State Solicitor on December 1st. She had served at the Supreme Court as a clerk for the current Chief Justice, John Roberts. And we will be bringing that interview to you, friends, next week. So please keep on listening to CMDA Matters.
1: this is Pastor Bert Jones and you're listening to CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Well, it's the last week of June, which means it's the last week for me to fill in as the host for Dr. Chupp, who is returning to the United States this week after a month of serving abroad. Dr. Chupp has sent a special message just for you for today's podcast episode. Let's listen in.
0: It is hard to believe today is our last podcast for June and of our fiscal year. Tomorrow we will begin a new year in ministry. The past 12 months have been filled with challenges and victories that you and I could never have imagined. In the midst of each of these, God has been so faithful. Thank you from all of my heart for your prayers and your financial support throughout this past year, especially during this year-end giving campaign. I am most grateful for you, our members, as well as our donors who make this ministry a reality. If you've not already done so, I hope you'll consider a gift to help your CMDA finish the year strong. And you can do that just by going to cmda.org match before midnight, June
1: 30th. I'm really looking forward to today's interview with Dr. Daisy Dowell, which is the final recording from the 2022 CMDA National Convention. Dr. Dowell received her bachelor's degree in biology from Loyola University and then her medical degree from the University of Illinois in 2003. She then completed a pediatric residency at the University of Chicago's Comer Children's Hospital in 2006. Dr. Dow currently serves as the primary care physician and site clinical director at the Homan Square site for Lawndale Christian Healthcare Center in Chicago, Illinois. Dr. Dow has such a unique story about how God called her to healthcare and put a special place in her heart to care for the Lord's children. So keep listening to hear her story.
2: start talking about what I want to talk about, I'd just like to start off by sharing just a little bit about my own journey because I think that it helps to give some context in terms of why I'm so passionate about the things that I typically share about and about the opportunity that God has blessed me with to serve at Lawndell Christian Health Center and as, uh, also to be a part of the CCHF family and my new brothers and sisters that I've uh, come to know in the CMDA family. I was very, very Passionate about or I am very passionate about serving children in particular uh, by specialty. I'm a pediatrician I am also a self-proclaimed community medicine doc. Uh, They didn't have that fellowship when I trained Uh, But I I consider myself to be one because you really truly Cannot serve well in in a vacuum. I was born and raised in Chicago Fortunately for me at the age of six. I was orphaned. My mother died Uh, my father uh, did not have an interest in having me around. I was kind of an embarrassment for him because I was conceived out of wedlock and he was married, but not to my mother, obviously. (laughs) And so when my mother died, uh, it was really an opportunity for him to kind of move on. What did happen though is that my whole world changed. I I was sent to live with my maternal grandparents in a home where uh, anything and anyone was for sale. And the Lord, uh, by his graciousness, he showed it me. But because I saw the suffering of children, he planted in me, at a very early age, a desire to be a watchman on the wall for children when I grew up. And to make sure that children would be safe and that children would be well. And so that drove my passion to become uh, a pediatrician. Another passion that I have always had was a passion for education, a desire to learn. When I was four, I taught myself to read, and I didn't think it was anything unusual, and my mom, uh, being uh, impoverished as we were, she never said anything, but she somehow eked out enough so that a book would arrive every month for me to read. And when she died, and I went to live with her her parents and uh, my aunts and uncles there, I quickly discovered that education was not something that was valued in that home, but was actively even discouraged. And so, for me, that began my struggles and my journey to uh, receive an education and to just be determined that no matter what, I was going to, to have that. But also, it planted a seed in me so that when I grew up, I vowed that no child who wanted to learn, if I could help them learn, would go without knowledge. And God has used that to help me to do some things that I never in my wildest dream uh, have done, which included being a Chicago public school teacher, which I'm very, very proud of, uh, for eight years (laughs) before uh, I went to medical school, which was part of an agreement I had with the Lord once my children uh, came, I vowed uh, that I would go and answer the call to medicine if he would allow me to raise my children first. So I was a non-traditional medical student. I was a 40-year-old intern. (laughs) Before they had all these hours that, you know, you got to go home and you hold your hand and all that stuff. Uh, No offense to all of you young medical students. Uh, You know, the good old days weren't always so good. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay. Um, but the times were different, uh, and the Lord allowed me to do that. Uh, and so I just um, wanted to kind of share a little bit about the journey the Lord has brought me on to help kind of wrap in context the passion that I have about being our brother's keepers. So, you know, COVID has been around way too long you know it's like that unwelcome house guest. you know they came they're supposed to come for a week it's been two weeks they still there you're like uh hey, you. you know so COVID is kind of like that you know COVID, COVID has really gotten on my last nerve uh, so I wouldn't mind if COVID you know it, it, it could go Lord we think we've learned our lesson um But, you know, it hasn't been all bad, you know. There have been some blessings that have also come out of COVID and some really hard lessons. I mean, COVID has been a hard uh, teacher, kind of like some of my students would say, you know, you have to earn that A. I'm I'm not handing out A's, you know. They take that out my check or something. Um, So, uh, you know, COVID's been a harsh teacher, but we've learned some good lessons. And I want to focus on two of the major lessons that I believe uh, has come out of COVID. One being that the COVID uh, pandemic has shown us how truly connected we are as a human race. You know, there, there is no, you know, class differences, race differences. It's no need in thinking you, you can cocoon in your home and it's gonna go out there to those people and it's not, COVID, COVID didn't care. COVID didn't, you know, black, white, purple, whatever, you know, uh, it came to us all. And so it it showed us that we are connected um, as a human race and we are indeed our, our brother's keepers. So, you know, the word of God does speak to this, that we are one and revelation tells us about the day when we will stand before the throne and we will be this just beautiful collection of people from all nations, tribes and tongues. And so the body of Christ, like our world, is really comprised of people from all different uh, walks of life. Uh, The difference is that as the church, as believers, we're called by the Father to be one, just as the Father and the Son are one. We're called to be a reflection of the relationship that Christ has with his father, and we're called to make a difference in this world, which is a little bit different than, you know, what we see, you know, people saying, oh, well, we just need to kind of get along. Uh, As believers, I believe that God is calling us to even a higher standard for our gifts and talents. The other lesson that COVID has shown us is what happens when we forget that, when we forget that God has called us to esteem others more highly than ourselves. When we forget that we truly are uh, our brother's keepers. So, you know, during the civil rights movement, one of the things that, that really propelled things and made change was that for the first time, people were seeing in real time, in their living rooms, on their television, the atrocities and the abuses and the injustice that people had been suffering and talking about for years but people kind of either refused to believe that it was really true, or they couldn't believe that people could really be so cruel. And then television brought that right into the homes. Now we've got that on steroids, right? We've got television, we've got computer, we've got internet, we've got cell phones. We are just bombarded uh, with all of the effects of what happens when we forget in our world uh, that we are our brother's keepers. And so we've seen, um, you know, injustice, we've seen social um, unrest occurring, and I'm just gonna take a quick walk back down memory lane uh, for the last couple of years. In 2018, uh, we watched in horror on the news as 2,000 children were separated from their parents at the U.S. border. Yes, at the U.S. border, in our country where we really, as believers, really espouse the fact that family is God's will and desire. But we saw this happen. In 2019, ICE, which is the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, conducted raids and record numbers of deportation. And I remember, in particular, um, being at church. My church is multicultural, large uh, Hispanic population at my church. And I missed, during worship time, the richness that the voices added when they were, came together. As I looked around and saw empty seats where some of my brothers, brown brothers and sisters who had prayed and worshiped alongside us were empty. In January 2020, we saw an increase Uh, In violence against Asians after the coronavirus outbreak became a global pandemic. And and sometimes it was even called the China virus, which uh, really was insulting and disrespectful to our Asian brothers and sisters. But to see the violence that escalated against them really grieved my heart and I believe it grieved the heart of God. Uh, I have uh, some spiritual daughters who are Asian and I have, because I love them, uh, I've tried to learn more about Asian history and to my surprise, I learned that there are a lot of parallels uh, to what African Americans have uh, experienced as well. And then March, 2020, here comes COVID, the house guest that won't go, it's like the, uh, you know, I'm a pediatrician, you know, so lamb chop, they used to sing a song that never ends. <laughs> This is the virus that never ends. We think we got it, and then it comes out with some other variant. It just, it just won't go. But we saw that there was a disproportionately high death toll in areas that we knew there were pre-existing disparities in healthcare. but this COVID uh, virus just kind of highlighted that. And then in May 2020, we saw the murder of George Floyd that came again and again across our television screens Uh, and just really shocked and uh, disturbed uh, many of us. And then this last thing that it highlighted really, really breaks my heart. You know, we, we want to see God's kingdom come. We want to see people turn and give their lives to Christ and we want to go and we want to take ground for the kingdom. But I do have to say that the church's response, at best, has been weak. And at times, at worst, it's, it's just been downright disappointing, to say the least. And, and I know that we can do better, because we serve a God of excellence. And we can step up uh, to the plate. And I have this picture of uh, Samson and Delilah here. Um, because as I think about that story, as I was reading uh, that story last week, it it dawned on me that this this is a very good illustration for the church itself. Uh, The enemy has discovered our, the church, our and and all of us are a part of that, Um, the secret of our strength. And then we got lulled to sleep, and then we got clipped, (laughs) and then we got blinded. And what am I trying to say? What is the great secret of the church's strength? It's love. It's love. And when love goes missing, our strength goes missing. And how come our strength goes missing? Because the Bible says that God is what? Love. So if we surrender our love for one another, When, you know, the Bible says Samson, he got up and thought he was going to shake himself like he always did. But God was not with him and he didn't know it. So we need not think that we can allow ourselves to remain silent and allow these injustices and allow the enemy to run rampant and make a mockery of us as the people of God. And think God is going to continue to be with us and bless us because he is the secret of our great strength. God is love. If we aren't gonna love, we can't um, expect him to be with us. So I'm just kind of laying a foundation because before we can really talk about leveraging our licenses and our training, we really need a foundation to build on. So what the pandemic has done in short it's, it's shown itself to be like a really good case study. You know, we, we love to do case studies and you know share patient cases in medicine, and it's been a perfect storm. And more importantly, it's been kind of like a crash course uh, on the the impact of our long history of injustice in our nation and um, in our churches, in some cases. And of course, also in medicine, uh, because medicine does not always have the brightest uh, history as you read it. It also explains to us why, and I mean, I, I really mean this, why at this point we are having difficulty getting people to come to Christ and to get the vaccine. They won't take the vaccine or Jesus to save their life. (laughs) literally and figuratively, you know. uh, It's a reason, you know, to some degree. They don't trust medicine and as believers uh, we haven't always done the best job. I mean I just, you have to just call it what it is. But we have good news because we're believers and we have Jesus and he is a source of hope. And as we say to the kids, He allows do-overs, aren't you glad we have do-overs? You know, God's all about do-overs. So how does God feel about this and what does he have to say? Well, I have all these Scriptures up here for those of you who want to go read it later You can take a picture of the slide or, or whatever and you can do your Bible search later But basically, you know, this is just proof that God cares deeply about these things has a lot to say about it And a lot to say about how we care for widows how we care for orphans how we care for immigrants the poor how he feels about justice and all of these things he has repeatedly addressed in the word of God. So it's time for a reset. He does allow do-overs, praise be to God, or I'd be in a whole lot of trouble. So I love this slide, um, "Sideline Saints, because uh, it just reminds me of, in some ways, how I felt and how many of us probably felt because of the pandemic if we, if we do foreign missions. So Lawndale, uh, I'm, I'm primarily domestic missionary serving at Lawndale Christian Health Center on the west side, but God has also called me to do foreign missions, uh, where I have served for many years, uh, in Haiti and, uh, we've also built a clinic, uh, in Nigeria, uh, for the Ibu and, uh, we've really been working really hard and things were kind of rolling. You all know how it is, you've been going for years and you finally kind of see you know, some fruit and then the unwelcome house guest, whose name will, I will not repeat, uh, comes and, and suddenly you can't do anything. But when we talk about investments, our gifts are an investment in the kingdom. And when we talk about investments, we talk about diversifying our portfolio I learned that just for this. So, you know, that, that means you don't put all your money, you know, in one stock or in, in one place or in one mattress, if that's your thing. Um, so, you know, cause stuff happens. Um, and so when we think about our spiritual gifts, I think that the Lord is teaching us through this pandemic that we need to diversify our gifts for the kingdom or else we will find ourselves sidelined. Okay, so I wasn't able to go to Haiti. I wasn't able to go to Nigeria. You weren't able to go wherever it is God has been using you. So do you sit around like, Lord, show me what you want me to do? And you turn on the news every day and you see needs. You know, it's a matter of whether or not we really mean, uh, Lord, I'm available to you, use me as you please. So it's time for a reset. I believe that God is doing a new thing. And uh, we're going to get left behind if we are not able to yield our way of thinking or our view of what's going on to align ourselves with what God is doing instead of the other way around, where we go do our thing and then we want to pull him into that. So if we're going to do that, uh, there are a couple of things that, that we need to do. Uh, Again, we're just laying this foundation. So we need to be able to discern the times and seasons. And then we need to prepare ourselves to be used. Now, I'm going to be talking about this first one, acknowledge, uh, from two perspectives. One is just personally acknowledging our own sin. And then the other is acknowledging what's happening around us and allowing the Lord to show us what he would have us to do about it. And then we need to lament and repent. And then we need to leverage the gifts and skills and talents that he's given us uh, for our king and for his kingdom. And this, that, this really excites me because you really can't be used by the king for the kingdom if you have not prepared yourself and prepared your heart. So um, discerning the times, uh, Ephesians 5, Fifteen through seventeen basically just says that you need to make the most of of your time and be careful and be wise and be ready to seize opportunities as they come because the days are evil. Now basically, God's saying, you know, uh, when he when he moves, we need to move and go with him. And in the book of Exodus, he would you know lead as a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then when he was ready for them to move, they moved. And sometimes it was weeks and sometimes it was days, but they had to be ready. And I think he's saying the same thing to us. Okay, so the Lord does want us to be prepared for him to use us. Uh, In the Old Testament, you read a lot about the consecration of priests. Uh, Whenever God is using us, we are acting as his priest. We are his servants. And we should be uh, consecrating and dedicating ourselves uh, before we try to step out, because we can't really hear his voice uh, if we've got a bunch of of junk in the way that's between us. So we're gonna be preparing ourselves to be used and be consecrated. So we wanna acknowledge our sin, um, which is very much a part of, of our consecration process. And then, we want to acknowledge that there is something going on, that there is something wrong. And I'll be leaning a little bit heavily into Nehemiah for some of these next uh, uh, few minutes that we're, that we're together. But uh, Nehemiah, just uh, sum up the backstory, uh, he was a cupbearer to uh, the king after uh, the Jews had been carried off into exile. And while he was there, some of his brothers, some of the people came and he actually asked about them. Uh, And he found out um, that things were in pretty bad shape uh, back home. And so we're gonna see uh, how Nehemiah addressed that along the way and how he leveraged his position. So we do need to be willing to acknowledge that there is a problem. Injustice is real, the struggle is real, the pain is real. Uh, people are experiencing a lot of things that we may or may not um, be experiencing ourselves. And then we need to lament. Uh, I love this word lament. I used to think it just meant you like, put on sackcloth and ashes, which I don't have either, so I you know, I know how I would lament. But um, I, I came to, to learn a little bit more about it and what Nehemiah says is that, you know, when he heard these things, he sat down and he wept for some days. You know, I don't know if there's any Seinfeld fans in the room, but, you know, they have this habit, like when something really bad happens, they just look at each other and go, uh, eh, that's a shame. You know, and then they just keep going, doing whatever they were doing. He wept for some days. He mourned and he fasted and he prayed like he was serious. He went hard after God. Um, because his heart was broken, and the things that break God's heart um, should break ours. And then this is a a quote from uh, Dare to Hope in God and How to Lament Well, and it, it basically says that a lament is a form of prayer where we accept God's invitation to be real with him. Uh, They used to say, you know, tell the truth, shame the devil. I don't know why old people would say that. But now I understand, you know, we we have to be real with God because he knows anyway. So it's an opportunity to be real with him and to unite with others. And we share our pain, our fear, our sorrow. And then I like this last part. But that's not where it ends, you know. It ends with renewed confidence and trust in God after he's taken up the burdens that we have brought And laid at his feet So basically a lamentation is just getting real before God You know just laying it out there. He knows our heart. He Mm -hmm. knows anyway, and this is part of our being prepared We we want to jump right to using our gifts and go here and go there and and set up ministries But there is some preparation that has to happen first and then lastly um, He repented Uh, We need to repent And even though Nehemiah wasn't alive, you know, back when Israel kept doing all the stuff they were doing and God would give them a chance and then they'd screw it up again. And, and, you know, finally he just said, you know what, y'all a hot mess. I'm going to have to discipline you, you know. And so they went into uh, captivity. But Nehemiah owns that, you know. And he says, we have acted very wickedly towards you and we have not obeyed the commands and decrees and the laws that you gave your servant Moses. So nobody really gets a pass here. You know, um, wherever we are on the spectrum of what's happening in this country, all of us uh, have something to repent of. And repentance just means that we're going to really genuinely uh, be remorseful and sorry for the things that we've done that have grieved God's heart, and then we're going to turn away from it. So whether we were actively or passively allowing a spirit of disunity, being silent when we should have spoken up, uh, whether it's in our churches or in our communities, we need to repent for that. And we need to confess our idolatry. An idol is anything that takes precedence over your obedience to to Christ. And so when we think about the the word church and ecclesia, It means that it's a special assembly of people whose lives are governed by Christ rather than by our politics or our culture. Please hear me. We must never forget that we are believers first. We are citizens of the kingdom first. First. Let's never forget that. As long as we stick to that, then the enemy has a harder time causing division and causing discord and making us look bad as children of God. We're believers first. I'm going to get in the trenches with somebody who knows some word. You know, they might not look like me, but if they know the word, we can go to battle because at the end of the day, that other person, no matter what color their skin is, is not my enemy. So I need somebody in the trenches with me who knows how to do spiritual warfare? I don't care what color you're wrapped in. We're Christians and we're believers first. And right is right and wrong is wrong. And it's just as ugly And one, you know, it, 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 nobody's getting a pass here. Uh, we, we need to destroy our idols. Our idols are causing us to bring shame on the name of Christ. So, now we have a foundation laid we can talk about leveraging our license, okay? (laughs) All right, so, you know, the word of God says, to whom much is given, much is required. And we have a lot of privileges that come to us because of our training, because of the places that that training allows us to go and to be, and the things that it allows us to do. And we may as well leverage it for the kingdom uh, since God has blessed us to have it. We are more effective, of course, uh, at kingdom building when we understand what it is that we're fighting for. You know, as I shared earlier, for me, in in my case, uh, education is something that I'm very, very passionate about for children to have. I never want another child to have to have days where uh, they pick up a book knowing that they're probably going to get beaten if they get caught with it. They should not have to hide newspaper articles in their underclothes and go into the bathroom so they can read. And then, and I promise you to this day, I hate Fletcher's Castoria, because my grandmother would say, why are you in the bathroom so long? I'm constipated. And so then I got Fletcher's. But I never want, but I'm in there reading. Um, so you know, you just never, I just never want a child to have to endure those kinds of things. If they want to learn, I want to put a book in their hands. I want to see them have an opportunity to get a great education. And so I fight for that. I never want to see another child hurt, and so child advocacy is near and dear to my heart. That's why I'm in Haiti, because I'm serving orphans, because I know what it's like to be an orphan. So when you know um, what you're fighting for, on those very difficult days, uh, you're able to stand. And so, Nehemiah did ask questions. He listened, he learned, he fasted, he prayed. Um, So we also want to listen to the plight and the needs of our community and then prayerfully consider uh, what we might bring to the community to help affect change. And then we want to answer the call and leverage our influence or our resources. And uh, so here's a scripture from Isaiah 117 where we don't have to say, Lord, if it's your will, You know, he's he's shown us what his will is in his word. I've already mentioned about us uh, leveraging our education and our training for others. One big question is, why do we even get educated? Why do we go into institutions of higher learning? Uh, Is it to make more money? Is it to live a more comfortable life? Is it to have more prestige and honor? And then we want to leverage our position. Sometimes where we work physically allows us to be able to affect change for communities. And sometimes the position that we hold allows us to walk through some doors that otherwise would have been closed. And you want to leverage your relationships, which is what Nehemiah did. And we want to leverage our faith uh, based on the word of God. I love this quote um, by John Milton. He was an essayist and a poet um, in the 17th century. And this is what he had to say about why uh, we should get get an education. Says, the end then of learning is to repair the ruins of our first parents by regaining to know God aright and out of that knowledge to love him, to imitate him, to be like him, as we may be the nearest by possessing our souls of true virtue, which being united to the heavenly grace of faith, makes up the highest perfection. And so for him, what he's saying is, and what I truly, truly believe, is that knowledge is really a window to have a more intimate relationship and view of who God is, Um, and then striving to use that knowledge to be more like Christ. Nehemiah leverages his position. He asks the king uh, to give him some letters and give him materials and things that he needed so that he could go back uh, and help to uh, rebuild the walls. And God wants to also use us in our relationships, and I say to be a conduit, of bidirectional blessing. You know, sometimes people say, oh, God is making me do this or I have to do that. But uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, it's, it's really an honor and a blessing to be able to do what God has called us to do. And we want to empower others and be an ally. And then we want to leverage our faith um, so that we can speak truth uh, into situations that are not God-honoring and not in line with the word. Raise our prophetic voice and be willing to forgive and extend grace to other people. So we want to believe the best in others. But the bottom line is that everyone can do something, and God wants us to take action. There are sins of omission and sins of commission, and we don't want to be guilty of of either. So, this is where I'd like to end. Uh, There was a song years ago, I, I didn't know how old the song was. They made us sing this in high school. Um, it was written by Joan ba- Baez. I think that was her last name. And it, uh, the, the main wor- uh, refrain of it is that no man is an island. No man stands alone. Each man's joy is joy to me. Each man's grief is my own. We need one another. So I will defend each man as my brother and each man as my friend. And the word of God puts it this way that basically we should be willing to become all things to all people so that by all means we might save some. And we do this for the sake of the gospel that we may share in his blessing. I'd just like to end with a prayer for you all. Um, I do pray this prayer. I saw it and it just touched my heart. I pray that God would open your eyes to see the job he has just for you to do that exciting, life-inspiring thing that he needs you to do for the blessing of others. I pray that you would catch a glimpse of how valuable and potent God has made you to be. And I want to encourage you to go forth and challenge God to challenge you to do what brings him glory more so than ourselves. God bless you.
1: This month on the podcast, we've been listening to recordings of the plenary speakers from the 2022 National Convention, and this talk from Dr. Dowell is the last one we'll be sharing from the convention, but it's definitely not the last recording available for you. If you want to take advantage of some of the breakout sessions from the convention, I'm excited to tell you that they are being added to the CMDA Learning Center. The medical track with continuing education credits is now available, and the other tracks will be available in the coming weeks. Visit cmda.org learning to browse through all the available courses and start earning continuing education credits now. Like Dr. Dow mentioned in her talk, we can use this knowledge we're gaining from the Learning Center to be more like Christ for our patients. I certainly hope that hearing from our convention plenary speakers has inspired you and encouraged you and equipped you this month. And I also pray it has motivated you to register now to attend the 2023 CMDA National Convention on April 27 through 30 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Joining together with your CMDA family is incredibly beneficial as you can find resilience in life, in faith and in practice. And just for our podcast listeners, you can use the promo code podcast for $25 off registration fees for physicians and dentists. Visit natcon.cmda.org for more information about our speakers and to register. If you want more information about the work Dr. Dow is doing through Lawndale Christian Healthcare Center in Chicago, visit lawndale.org. Daisy also previously served as the board chair for the Christian Community Health Fellowship, otherwise known as CCHF. If you're not familiar with CCHF, it is a national organization that encourages, engages and equips Christians and Christian healthcare centers throughout the country and they show God's love through living and providing healthcare among the poor and the marginalized. Being on mission each day and every day is a focus CMDA shares with CCHF, and I'm encouraged by the ways both of these God-ordained ministries offer opportunities to serve in missions both here in the United States and across the world. Speaking of being on mission, are you prepared for God to use you in missions? let me suggest a few ways that you can get involved with missions wherever you are in your healthcare journey. You can find a local free clinic in your community to volunteer at or to take referrals from. If you're a student or resident, you can sign up to do an away rotation at a mission hospital or Christian clinic. You can also take a short-term mission trip. We offer top-notch opportunities through CMDA's Global Health Outreach and Medical Education International. And you can find upcoming trips on our website at cmda.org g-h-o and cmda.org m-e-i. And truly, that's only the beginning. CMDA has numerous ways to connect you and equip you to live on mission each and every day. If you have any questions about how to get started, learn more through CMDA's Center for Advancing Healthcare Missions at cmda.org c-a-h-m. As Daisy mentioned in her talk, our hearts are broken as we consider injustices happening in our world today. And we need to be willing to acknowledge that there is injustice in our world, injustice that grieves God's heart. One of these injustices is racism and its effect on healthcare. Here at CMDA, we are focused on being part of that solution, especially as we strive to reverse that effect on healthcare. One of the main ways we can do that is through reconciliation. Sometimes these are difficult conversations to have, but God calls us to seek that reconciliation so we can together focus on growing the kingdom of God. CMDA's RED Committee is a task force of CMDA's Board of Trustees with the purpose of guiding us towards a biblical response both within the organization and the wider body of Christ as it pertains to issues of racism, equality and diversity, especially as they intersect with healthcare. This committee also is focused on addressing health and healthcare disparities, as well as to be a resource for our CMDA members so they can be leaders in healing within this country in times of social and political unrest as it pertains to issues of racism, equality, and diversity. For more information about the Red Committee, visit cmda.org racism. As always, if you wanna suggest a future guest to the podcast, You can email it to us at cmdamatters at cmda.org. And if you like the podcast, be sure to give it a five-star rating and share us on your favorite social media platform. Next week at work, would you consider sharing this podcast with one of your colleagues who isn't a member of CMDA? There's such benefit to being a member, and you know that more than anyone. If you want to share your story with us about how CMDA is making a difference in your career and your personal life, reach out to us at cmdamatters at cmda.org. Our podcast team would love to hear your CMDA story. As we close today's episode, I want to share what I thought was one of the most impactful statements from Dr. Dow. She said, We are believers first. We are citizens of the kingdom first. Let's never forget that. As long as we stick to that, the enemy has a harder time causing division and causing discord. We are believers first, and I'm thankful that so many citizens of the kingdom of God have joined together through CMDA to bring the hope and healing of Christ to the world through healthcare. That's what matters to CMDA, and CMDA matters. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you'll join us again next week, and tell a friend. God bless. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The
0: opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.